1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Playoffs are still within reach. Welcome to the Some of It Was True edition of Sabres Live. That's a tip of the cap to the new Menzingers album. It'll be up to you at the end of this show to determine what is true that we are speaking of during the course of this hour. Marty, (laughs) review or move on? What do you want to do? Game one or game two?
0: I think there's a a time for both um, the both of them, uh, if you want to say a little review, uh, because you know what you kind of sleep on it and then you wake up and you said, okay, what did I witness? How does that come together? You watch a few more clips, you look into some numbers and then you think, well, this was truly a bad offensive night. Like it was truly a bad offensive night. And yes, the Rangers played a stingy, stingy defense system, one, three, one. They blocked a ton of shots. Give credit to the Rangers for doing that. And then also look at the Sabres and say, you're going to see that a lot this year, right? Teams are going to play well defensively against you. Why? Because you are a great threat. So you got to be better. Um, so then I look at it and I say, according to the numbers, five on five, The Sabres played only five games, five games all season last year that were worse offensively than what they showed last night. Mm. So was that bad? Yeah, that's really bad.
1: I'm going to guess at least one of those games was against Seattle.
0: Yes, you're right. One was against Seattle. You want to know the kicker of all of that? Always. Four Four of the five games that were worse offensively last year, the Sabres won.
1: Like they just
0: somehow found a way to win so in a
1: bad. I miraculously plucked the one game that they lost. The one game that never they lost. Seattle. <laughs> yes, the one game that they oh, lost was amazing. against the
0: Seattle Kraken, right? But unscripted I look at,
1: live uh, shows are just amazing. Uh, they I, I, they.
0: <laughs> I look at a game like the, even even the game against the Blue Jackets where the Sabers scored nine goals. Technically, mm-hmm. offensively, with the expected goals at five on five. They had a worse number. Why? Because they scored a lot on the power play and then they shut it down, right? Mm-hmm. They just basically they didn't try at five on five. But that to me was a story last night. Tage yeah. Thompson, it, it, the the Sabres offense is gonna run through their top line, right? If your top line goes, your Sabres offense is gonna go. Tage Thompson's the same thing. Last year, only five games in the whole season. At Tage Thompson, lower number when you look at expected goals while on the ice at five on five. Same five them, or uh, no different five? Two of them were in the a month of March when he was banged yeah. up. Yeah. So really, yeah. when healthy, Tage only played three worse games when you look at the cre- the chance created in the season last year.
1: Right. Probably m- more or as much to do with the opponent than anything else, though. Yeah, and I'm not going you know I mean? to blame like, on Tage
0: Thompson uh, yeah, for the game like last night. Like, that's yeah. not what it is. But yeah. it mirrors what I saw last night. And I'm saying right. that it was not a good game offensively where the offense at at 2-0, right, needed to come yeah. through and maybe get a goal, and all of a sudden it changes it. It didn't happen. The Rangers got their third goal.
1: Well, pulling from the same filing cabinet um, where the uh, Lamarello contracts are stashed for months on end before being <laughs> announced, um, should we open the overreaction file? Like just hypothetically, and for bleeps and giggles, to bring it to the Thompson line, and based on what we saw in preseason, and would you put Zach Benson up there for game number two, or Ooh. do you just kind of stay the course?
0: Well, so this is the other part that is very interesting to me, is that do we talk about, in the second intermission last night, is oh, Jordan Greenway, best Sabre player on the ice right now. And he was noticeable because he was around pucks and he forechecked, and he had good sticks and he made good plays in all three zones. And um, But then I, I I pulled up Money Puck this morning and I look at the stats when it comes to the lines. How did the lines play as a unit? And I look at it and I say, the Benson-Middlestad-Greenway line at the worst numbers of all four lines when you look at creating offense. So now it goes back to, okay, well, if the Middlestat line had created uh, uh, so much offense that their numbers were really good, and the Thompson line had not created offense, that the numbers were really bad, then I'm thinking mirror the two of them, and then maybe you make a switch. Maybe you say, I'm going to put back with Middlestat and Greenway, and I'm going to put Benson with uh, Thompson and Skinner. Mm-hmm. But it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Actually, Thompson's line, at the 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 better number offensively, by far. Cousins was not nowhere near that. The second best line offensively was Krebs, Gergensen, Poso. So you know but they that, were
1: on for the two critical goals against.
0: They got a bad matchup in those two goals. They were on the ice for a minute and a half against our Timmy Panarin, and he scored two goals. Yeah. Right. That's what basically came down to. It just the way that. A line comes off the ice. You're like, okay, the rotation is Krebs. You're on the ice, and Panarin's line either jumps on the ice or stays a little longer, and boom, they score two goals. But my thinking now is, I would never press the overreaction button, and I'm not there yet.
1: And, and you know, I life. was it was in jest when I was saying it. I I am yes, probably but, the least likely to overreact as host of this show, and if I ever do. Letting the cat out of the bag here. It's probably purely for selfish attention grabbing reasons. Or Or it's just
0: emotional, not rational, right? That's the way it is. But I'll say this: I'm not pressing the button saying, okay, switch the lines and put Benson with talking uh, with Thompson and Skinner, but I'm saying I it's not the it's in that filing cabinet. You know, there's a file, yeah. Zach Benson with Thompson and Skinner that's in the filing cabinet. Well, I, I may reach for it at some point if if it still looks that way.
1: When you were just describing the Thompson line and the Middlestad line, an old cliche popped into my head, and Which I was is. like, maybe the truth lies somewhere in the middle. And in the middle of the Thompson line and the Middlestat line is the Cousins line, of which we have talked about all summer, all fall, and now one game in because of the absence of Jack Quinn. And what is the best way to make this line have an impact? Again, significantly pushing the brakes here, not overreacting, but it's a question because... It hasn't had a huge impact, even like for the sake of fun in the preseason.
2: Right? right.
1: Like, so how long Like is that the more likely focal point at some point here in the short term to try to get going? Because we saw last year, like you just said it, so much mm-hmm. offense and creativity and success runs through the Thompson line. But guess what? Doesn't happen if Dylan Cousins doesn't become a 30 goal scorer. So yeah, like no, if they have the if they have this massive drop off behind the Thompson line, eh, it's that's a double like that's that's a double negative. So... so
0: how about this? Okay, I saw an article the other day on baseball, and I think it was Greg Maddox that was talking about. They asked him who was the hardest player to face, who so was the hardest like the toughest batter to face. And mm-hmm. a lot of people think Barry Bonds was the toughest batter to face, right? Greg well, Maddox says I would says,
1: say Tony Gwynn, but
0: okay. Well, Maddox said, yeah, no, I didn't mind pitch because. If there was nobody buying Bonds or if it was a, a bad situation, we didn't pitch to him, right? But if there was nobody behind him, then we pitched to him, and who cares what he did? Right. Because there was no threat after him. This is the same thing when it comes to hockey and the lines. Like, Tate Thompson is not going to be as effective if there's nobody behind him that can carry some weight, some offense that can push the pace. And that definitely needs to be Dylan Cousins' job and that line. Because – as we know, Casey middlestat is playing with an 18-year-old and Jordan Greenway. The offense may be limited. Like I thought, they were good in the game last night in the job mm-hmm. that they did, but the offense is still limited. So you need another line to create, and that has to be Paterka, Cousins, and Olafson. Paterka did create, but it was a different type of play. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that, and I'm going to take a shot at Rob right here, because he took a shot at us last night during the broadcast. So I'm going to say, you know what? He you still Logan... listen
1: to him enough to know that he took a shot?
0: Oh, yeah. He's like, listen to Man, his... you are Duffer and Marty on Sabres Live, because they have all the stats, every stats and all well, of it. I
1: mean, in his defense, you have come out of the blocks statistically heavy today. So well Because done.
0: that's important, because that tells a story of the game that Robbery is not going to tell us. Uh, so I'm taking a shot at Razor. Yes, I am. But the biggest, biggest thing last night in the game was if the Sabres can play quicker. And I'm not saying skate faster. I'm saying quicker play execution plays and quicker shots on net. Look, Panarin's goal yesterday, if that was a, if we reversed the role in the game last night, the way it was played, if that was Tate Thompson that had the, the, the shot and Jacob Trubo that was the defenseman, You know what would have happened on that play? That shot would have been blocked, right? Because the Sabres hung on to the puck an extra second to allow a shot-blocking defenseman or forward to get in the way. And Panarin on that shot realized Samuelson was about to make a a play and he took the shot before, right? That was the biggest difference. I wish there was a a stat, and I'm going to say it right out. I wish there was a stat that showed you contested shots and the distance and time between the shooter and the defender to to show that yesterday in the game, the Sabres allowed the Rangers to just get within five feet yes. of every time they were shooting the puck. Don't allow that to happen. That would have made a huge difference in the game because the, the power play would have had shots on net, would have had rebounds, would have created chaos. It didn't happen because they allowed the Rangers to get in those shot-blocking moments.
1: Do you think Samuelson believed in that split second that his decision would force Panarin to shoot, or was he hoping Panarin would pass?
0: I think when I saw it, at first I thought, go! Like go and force Panarin to pass. Mm-hmm. Because you know what can happen was wide somebody...
1: open though. And I I he was wide as open, soon as but it started. I was like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be a backdoor goal for Heedle. Well, and then yeah, Pan... but yeah,
0: there's so much that can happen. And I remember I was with the Rangers when our mentality was always force the other team to make another play. Mm-hmm. Right. And also know who's in the slot, who's not, like Panarin coming down the slot, you gotta take that away. But I would I would ha- hope and ask Matias Samuelson to come out a little harder on Panarin. And if he moves the puck to heedle, number one, puck can jump. It can be not, the pass may be in his feet. Mm -hmm. There's so many variables that can happen, but allowing Panarin to take two strides and walk in, you're kind of making it easier, right? You're, you're Mm -hmm. putting a silver platter out there and saying, well, I'm going to take the, the one option. I'm going to give you the shooting option. It's like a two on one, the old adage. well, Defense take the pass and goalie right. have the shooter. No, that's not how it works. No, but because in that just...
1: situation, statistically, you would because Panarin next to Connor McDavid is the best passer in the league the last decade.
0: Uh, yes, I still think that I'm taking away Panarin in the slot and yeah. m- hoping that he makes the pass to Filipino, who's outside of the slot, kind of towards the. Uh, you know the side of the house that we draw on the ice all the time, and maybe something else can happen. Maybe a defender has more time to come back. I get what Samuelson was doing. I'm not blaming him for that right. play. No, right, I. Not I just think it's it a happened.
1: fascinating and challenging real time split second moment in pro yeah. sports that gets overanalyzed. But when you really break it down, it's like what would have been the winning scenario there, other than getting good fortune and a bouncing puck.
0: Um. Yeah, you're hoping that Panarin comes in and shoots the puck and misses the net or hits Levi right in the chest, Yeah, which that's what happened to the Sabres many times yesterday. They get in that position and you're like, hey, I'm going to let you shoot, but they still found a way the Rangers did to get closer. And I think with Samuelson's range and length, he probably could have gotten closer and still have been able to defend against the pass.
1: Okay, Sabres are at the island tomorrow. Much more on this game, obviously, coming up um, with noted Rangers observer, Shayna Goldman, at the bottom oh, of the yeah. hour. So uh, uh, she will, you know, maybe take us through just uh, how daunting it was for Buffalo last night based on how locked in the Rangers looked. But obviously, we are looking ahead already, and importantly, to tomorrow's game, Buffalo And the Islanders will have 7 o'clock pregame coverage on MSG. Of course, last night was the Sabers' season opener. Tonight, it is the Amherst's home opener, season opener. And you may have seen on social, Marty, we received a goodie bag from Emily at the Amherst yesterday. uh, Of which, some things included in that bag are available to fans tonight who are making their way to Blue Cross Arena, including replica banners for the first 2,000 fans. But I'll be down there with Don on the call tonight. We're looking forward to seeing you at Blue Cross Arena. We'll rock the block party from 4 to 7. Some tremendous happy hour specials and an awful lot more amidst this Amherst game tonight against Bridgeport. Head coach of the Amherst is, of course, Seth Appert. He is with us here on this game day. Hi, Seth. How are you? Hey, guys. How are we doing? Good. Are you going to ask me questions again on this show like you did this morning during the media availability? Talk about putting me on the spot. Well, sometimes it's good
2: to flip it a little bit, you know, and let you know how it works. (laughs) Um, And uh, but watching it yesterday, it was uh, it was pretty cool and moving the RJ stuff before the game that you were part of. And I was just curious. Uh, to get your thoughts yeah. so
1: well i mean uh, it really was and i i actually greatly appreciate you bringing it up because it really was the theme woven through the whole night marty and um mm-hmm. you know i've been lucky enough to be in the office today and see a lot of our creative team and thank them for the incredible pregame video and everything that went into yesterday
0: yeah the pregame video was amazing and you know, I, I gotta realize now that we're always being recorded, right? So uh like when I'm gonna do an RJ impersonation, like on the remembering, you know, RJ thing that we did. And I'm like, oh, I make a glove save, and he's like, What a glove save? I'm like, that's a terrible RJ impersonation. And they used it in the video because it was a funny moment. So I gotta I gotta be smart. I gotta realize we're always being recorded and watched, but it was an incredible moment. Uh it was really uh uh, I'm, I've am i got my RJ way sign that I'm going to treasure because that's going to be going in the hockey basement at some point as a wall of things that are very important. And I think that's going to be there. So um, that's great. Duffer, you did awesome set. Thanks for watching and uh, for bringing that up this morning. That's great.
2: Yeah, that was cool. So, uh, well,
0: no, go ahead. Go ahead. Duffer. I was going to ask a, a quick funny question. Go for it. Okay. We like, we like humor. So when you guys play, and you're going to play at home, and Yuri Kulik is on the ice, and Devin Cooley's playing that, and the crowd goes, coolie Kuli! Who are they talking about? Like, are you going to know which which guy you got to go with? Like, who's getting the accolade
2: here? Hopefully both of them are. <laughs> um, I think that is what we're hoping, is that hopefully that uh, Devin Cooley's is getting a lot of that, and uh, that Yuri Kulik is also getting a lot of that. So I think we're lucky that uh that they're not both players uh one's a goalie because otherwise they're both on the bench and I would have no clue what to do at that point
1: <laughs> we t- we talked this morning about the depth of your lineup um can you give us a little insight into how you construct the lines for tonight just in the sense of you have newcomers once again, but you also have this tremendous returning uh, veteran cast of the Yops and Mershes and Murray's of the world. Are they still looked upon by you as your leaders or de facto number one line? Like, how do you view that?
2: You know, I, I um it's, those are hard things right now. We're almost too deep. It's a, it's a good problem, but it can be a bad problem in the American league too. And so um, I, I, I broke that line up uh, much to the chagrin of, uh, of Vinny Prospel who who kept telling me that was our best line in the playoffs, um, which it was, right? It, it, it certainly was. So, um, But, you know, you do a lot of times want to have some younger guys with uh, some veteran presences. Um, so like a guy like Victor uh tonight he is going to be, at, at least start the game with Yaps and Mersh. Uh, or sorry excuse me uh of is um mm, okay and, and you you want to give some younger guys like that some veteran stability um so hopefully they allows them to be comfortable and play to their strengths victor noychev is going to be with kozak and cedarquist uh guys that are strong hard win puck battles uh c- good making plays as well mm-hmm. and you're hoping that that allows uh, guys like Kiskov and Noychev to be in positions of success uh, so they can have a good start to the season.
0: You talk about Vinny Prospol uh, that is uh, studying the tape from last year in the playoffs and is having his recommendations when it comes to forward lines. Uh, What's Nathan Page thinking about the defense depth and how you can manage to put six defensemen on the ice um, with all the good young and older uh, veteran defensemen that you have on the team?
2: yeah realistically we'd like to play eight defensemen tonight yeah uh, that's that's how good the decor is i don't feel good about any of our defensemen being out um and credit to zach matza uh who's on an american league contract for earning his way into that conversation uh with his playing the playoffs last year and his play at training camp this year so um those are hard things and and you know the The best way I've found um, and I've talked to veterans about this veterans in the past that have played and also current guys uh, is for me just to be completely honest about the situation. Just address it. Uh, The elephant in the room is we have too many good hockey players right now. And some guys have to sit at times. Um, I'm a believer in in we should share some of that pain together. Uh, It shouldn't be just one or two guys that are always out, um, you know, and so we're going to have to have a little bit of a lineup rotation at times knowing that in the American league, there's a balance. And, and, and I've told some of the older guys, this there, there's a balance that we want to win. Uh, but Buffalo has also hired and paid me to develop young players. So a lot of times young guys need to be in the lineup.
1: It's fascinating what you just shared with us about the lines and separating Kisikov and Neutchev. Is that hard to do? Um, you know, I leaned on Vinny on this, you know, Vinny, uh, live
2: their life right he came over to north america didn't speak the language played in the american league um he felt that it'd be better for them to be apart if they're together they're always leaning on each other and talking to each other potentially in russian or likely in russian where if they're apart number one we could have older guys with them to help them but number two they don't have an option but to be integrated and part of that line and communicating with that line. So. Um, I think that, that Vinny felt that it's the best way to more quickly integrate Neutchev, uh into the group uh, is to have him away from Kisikov instead of with him on a line.
0: How are uh, they doing English-wise? Because I remember seeing them in, in training camp. They were walking to the shooting cage in Buffalo. And I said, you guys going to shoot a couple of pucks? And I, you know, guys off the ice, you haven't seen a whole lot. Sometimes you don't recognize them. And uh, they both answered really quickly. Yeah, shooting pucks. like it just was it was so funny, but at least they made an effort. Like that's to me is the first step, right? So how are they doing in that sense? Do they do they ask questions? Do do you think like they get every time you talk to the team that they get what the gist of the
2: structure and the 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 you know the setup yeah. is? Kisakoff is there for sure. He's done a great job and did it alone last year. So credit to him and how hard he's worked on and off the ice to acclimate himself um Novikov is ahead of Noichov in his in his speaking Novikov I would say understands 85 percent um of of what we're telling them in terms of the interaction and what we can't we make sure we grab them after Noichov is isn't quite to that spot yet uh so I watched video with Noichov this week and I just put my phone on and Google translated things. I thought he needed to know. Yeah. Um, one funny moment was I showed him in Utica. He made a really great play, but then he got absolutely destroyed from behind into the wall after he made the play. Cause he wasn't anticipating getting hit. And he looked at me and he said, no penalty. And, <laughs> and I laughed. And I'm like, uh, then i Google translated. uh, This is the jungle. They don't call those things in the American League. Uh, You have to protect yourself and be ready to get hit like that. And so he got a laugh out of that. Uh, There was one other time we got to that clip. And he laughed and he looked at me and he's like, no penalty. He's like, in Russia, that penalty, you know. <laughs> so, you know, you have to spend a little extra time. Sometimes after a team meeting, I'll grab Noichev and make sure he understands the, the most important pieces of it. Um, but they're doing a good job. Novikov's wife, Arena, um, speaks quite well uh and and uh the uh, the conversations i've had with her she seems outstanding i know that team had a gathering on saturday night last week and uh the players were really impressed with her and so i think that's going to help uh nikita quite a bit as well
1: i'll tell you a funny thing marty that i saw that obviously seth you would have seen in your only preseason game at home noichev mistakenly was about to hop over the boards kisikov physically grabbed him (laughs) pulled him down because obviously Neutchev had misunderstood the assignment yes Kisikov was trying to explain it Neutchev is looking at him like half oh my gosh what did I just do or half (laughs) what are you doing to me let me go and I was thinking this is this is actually pretty great like these are it's it's better than it happened in the preseason I suppose right Seth? yeah no that
2: was a funny moment uh and uh Keese has done a good job of helping those guys in, in those moments and translating when needed um but yeah there, there's gonna be some problems that come with it and we're just gonna have to work through them and you know the first couple months uh the the play the team play the systems the communication all of that it, it just takes time and uh you know, we're working to try to find a good Russian tutor. We're in communication with the University of Rochester right now um, to try to find someone to uh, help them more than just them going online and doing it themselves. And so uh, I think we're, we're on a good path of that. And, and uh, But it is going to take some time. And there's going to be some growing pains that come with it.
0: Well, and quickly, just of, uh, yeah. on Devin Cooley, uh, if you can, just because a lot of people in Buffalo don't know him all that well. He hasn't been the organization that long, just the training camp. Um, I've been impressed with him. How have you uh, seen Devin Cooley and what he can do for you guys this year?
2: Yeah, he's as advertised. Uh when when Jason Carmanos brought his name up, Jeremiah Crow, our head pro scout. Uh, you know, they asked me to do some research uh on him in terms of character and teammate and things like that. And, Everybody I uh, called that that I know that played with him just raved about the kind of teammate he is, how competitive he is in practice. Uh, he doesn't give up on pucks, and, and all of that is 100% true. Uh, so he's been outstanding. Uh, he's been really good in practice, and he makes it hard on our forwards. He doesn't give up on a puck. He's going to play every puck out. Uh, which has been a really impressive trait Uh, and I think in the one period in Buffalo and then the three periods last week Mm -hmm. uh, he's looked very sharp so uh, we're excited about him Uh, he's a guy that the guys will want to play in front of because of how hard he works for them
1: Seth super impressive lineup that you have to work with this year can't wait to see it play out good luck tonight thanks guys thanks for having me on Seth Appert, head coach of the Amherst Rock the Block party starts at four in Rochester outside of Blue Cross Arena today. It's super family friendly and obviously a lot of giveaways at hand as well. Uh, Thundersticks for the first 5,000. You got replica banners from their division crown last year for the first 2,000 going into the rink. And of course, The puck drops on the Amherst and Islanders just after seven. Yes, it's that kind of weekend organizationally as Buffalo goes into New York tomorrow night. We'll have pregame coverage on MSG Saturday at seven. Shana Goldman next here on Sabres Live.